out of the book of Philippians. We, we worked our way through it. And, uh, yeah, that was good. That was good. Philippians was a good book to go through. And uh, But I've been, prior to this, I've been in Romans, um, as most of us know. Probably some people on Facebook land don't know. But um, I've committed to going through the book of Romans all the way through it, you know, line by line. And I want to pick up where I left off. And that's Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. So last we read uh, chapter 1, 15 through 17. And um, we'll read Romans 1, 18 through 20 today. Um, the name of this um, sermon is the wrath of God part one. But we won't actually get to chapter one, verse 18 through 20 today. We will read it, but we had to backtrack a little bit in order to prepare us for this, uh, this series called the wrath of God. So let's open up our reading and read this um, chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. I'm in the King James Version. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So what does this word wrath mean? This is, this is our main topic. Um, it means anger, the natural disposition, temper, character, movement, or agitation of the soul, impulse, desire, any violent emotion, but especially anger, wrath, indignation, anger exhibited in punishment, hence used for punishment itself, of, punishment, of, of punishments inflicted by magistrates. Strong's definition reads, as properly desired as reaching forth or excitement of the mind, that is, violent passion or justifiable abhorrence. Romans 1, 15 through 17 reads, So as much as is in me, is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. There's one word in particular that I want us to focus on this afternoon, 
and you probably will never guess what it is. Um, this word we see about five times in verses 15 through 17, and it opens up our reading in 18, and that's the word for. Okay, for is a conjunction word. A conjunction is a part of speech that connects words and phrases or clauses. So Paul, I want you to notice, is always connecting reason to the statements that he makes. It's very important to those of you that are maybe interested in studying the Word of God, or maybe you already do study the Word of God, but it's really good to understand that it's all connected together. All right, so you just don't want to jump right into the middle of a scripture and begin to try to understand it because in order to understand that, you have to understand what happened before and you have to understand what happened after. And then once you get a full understanding all together, you will, you will be enlightened in a great way. So... In order for us to move forward in this series, which is the wrath of God, um, that's why we have to start a couple verses back. Um, And that's 15 through 17 verses. So it will act like a key for us to be able to open up our understanding to the key text, which we'll um, do next time in part two. So... We read Romans 15 through 17. Verse 15 says, So as much as it is in me, as as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. Here we see, and I've said over and over again, the centrality of the gospel. The gospel is central to everything in the word of God. You can't get around it. You can't get through it. It it is the gospel. This statement is a very powerful and teaching one, though. As much as as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel, that is. So much so that it served its purpose in completing the last message that we heard on our journey through Romans, when I preached a long time ago now. Um, Yet it still has much purpose in helping us to understand what's to come. Paul says, as much as in me is. Now, this could read and be understood in several different ways. Not only could it be understood differently, but it could also mean something totally different than how I may understand it or maybe some of you may understand it or interpret it, that is. But not to fret, though, it all leads to the same finale, and that's being ready to preach the gospel. Amen? So as much as in me is could mean that Paul is filled with a lot. Or it could also mean that he was filled with very little, right? It could mean, you know, if you, if you say that statement out of your own mouth, you know, um, it could mean those two things, and it could mean that I, maybe I'm half full, right? Or half empty, some people like to say. 
But we don't know, and that's the beauty of this statement. We could assume, take our pick of which one of these are Paul's truth, but why do that? What we should be focused on is what's our truth. I believe that this was left an open statement on purpose. You see, leaving this statement open like this allows you and I the opportunity to plug ourselves into the reading and allow the narrative to speak directly to our individual situation. You see, some of us may feel inadequate. We may feel we lack quality or quantity required to preach the gospel. We may feel insufficient for this great and honorable purpose that God has given us all. But that's just it right there. This great gospel that God has given us has everything to do with you and I, yes. It does. It has everything to do with you and I and that Christ must have given his life and that you and I, a hell-bound people, could have life and life eternal with him. But remember who facilitated all of these happenings. Remember who gave his only begotten son to suffer affliction and die for our sins. Remember who gave his only son the power to conquer the grave. We just sang about that in worship, right? Death could not hold him down. How you suppose death could not hold him down? He had all power. That same God who did those incredible, miraculous things. Come on now, you guys. Can he not give you the adequacy? Can he not qualify you to preach the gospel or do anything that he commands or or says for you to do? Can he not? Is he not powerful enough? Can he not take the quantity within you, however much it is, and make it enough for you to be ready to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ask yourself those questions this morning. While we look at Luke chapter 19, verse 37 through 40, it reads, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, Master, rebuke these disciples. Rebuke your disciples. It says, thy. Rebuke them. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, who are these? His disciples. If these disciples, if these children of God, if these followers of Christ shall hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Look, we serve a God and we belong to a God that's going to get his. 
All right. He's going to get his praise. He's going to get his worship. Anyhow, he got to do it. Right. You guys understand that? Scripture says, if not the people, then the rocks. But Christ will be glorified. Wow. Ask yourself that yourself. What manner of power is that? What kind of power is it that can give lifeless rocks a voice? Ask yourself that and then think about your individual situation and why whatever it is, what it is, is is holding you back or keeping you down or, or keeping you from being bold, keeping you from being courageous. Right. And understand that the boldness, the, the courageousness, the. Whatever it is that you need in order for you to go forth. And speaking God's word has nothing to do with you. That's why every time you hear me pray up here, I pray, decrease me and increase yourself in me, Lord. All right, because I just want to present myself as a, a vessel, a willing vessel. You know, a, a vessel really doesn't have any life of its own. Right? It really don't even have any purpose until you purpose it. That's the same thing with us being vessels. Right? We have to understand who we are. We nothing, lifeless, dead, without Christ, without God's power. Right? So if he's speaking to you and he's telling you to go forth, if he's telling you go preach the gospel, if he's telling you whatever he's telling you, guess what? There's really no excuse. There's no excuse and there should be no lack of confidence because we serve a God who can make rocks cry out, who can give rocks a voice. Lifeless rocks. Amen. So it continues in, in 15 through 17. It says to you that are at Rome also for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He says, I am ready because I am not ashamed. You remember we uh, I preached about that last time I was up being ashamed. And we're just reviewing and connecting. If you're not ready to preach the gospel, maybe it's because you're ashamed. Luke 18, 16 says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. When you're right, you want people to know it, don't you? Yes, no? Yes. Yeah, when you're right, you want people to know it. If you have a cure, you want others to have and or know about it, right? If you have something that you strongly believe in, what do you do? You promote it, right? Sometimes, despite the dangers you may face or the opportunities you may lose out on, 
you still go out and you promote that thing which you believe and you, you strongly believe in. You still make a decision to go out and shout that thing from the mountaintops because you believe in it. You're not ashamed in it. Amen? For it is the power of God unto salvation, he says, to every man that believeth, to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So if we're connecting the last line to this line, it says, I am not ashamed because it's the power of God unto salvation. Well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. There's that cure that I was just talking about right there. Paul had it, and he wanted everybody to have it as well, despite the circumstances, despite the persecution, despite what he had to go through, how he was going to be looked at, how he was going to be talked about, um, despite the fact that he may have been stoned to death or beaten to death or you know, whatever it was, he, he didn't care because he, he so strongly believed in the gospel that, you know, he knows eternally where he's going to end up at. How many of us right now know eternally and are confident eternally where we're going to end up at? That makes a big difference in whether you're going to go out and you're going to promote the gospel like you should is do you really believe? And some of us need to ask ourselves that question this morning. You know, where do we really stand? Are we, are we putting on the front? Are we putting on the show? And I say it all the time. I tell my children and, you know, many others, look, when you lie, you're not lying to me. Right? You want to come in, you want to put on a show, you want to dance until your curls sweat out, right? And then you want to leave here and you want to carry on the same way that you've been carrying on. Guess what? I'm not going to be swayed by that one way or another. That's not going to determine where I'm going to go one way or another, right? So don't come put on a show. Don't lie. You know, don't cover up what it is. Be bold and courageous. And if you don't believe, say it. Maybe we can, you know, have that, you know, conversation that's going to tip you over. That's going to cause you to believe. Maybe you can be encouraged by a brother or sister in Christ to the point to where you do come to a belief and you do um, come to a point to where you are saved and you are confident and you know that you're going to end up eternally with Christ. So he says, he's not ashamed there. He says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, a just shall live by faith. It's the power of God unto salvation and therein is the instruction. Okay. So he's not ashamed because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone believe. And it's also the power of God unto salvation. And therein is instruction, knowledge, 
the revealed righteousness of God and faith, which God did not choose who got some of it and who didn't. He said to everyone who believes. Romans 12, 3 teaches us, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to God, hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Every man. He didn't leave nobody out. You know, this is going to help us. All this is going to help us to understand the wrath of God once we get there. But it's just setting us up and, and, and building a, a good foundation for us to be able to understand it. So Romans, again, 1 8 through 18 through 20 reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. You see that right there? That, that's connected by what I just read in, in 12 and 3, every man having a measure of faith, right? Every man has a, a knowledge of who God is. You know, they may say something, they may, they may say they don't believe, they may say that they never heard, um, they may say that they don't have a spirit, they, they, they could say all kind of things, right? But our Bible teaches us, God teaches us, that every man has been dealt a measure of faith. Every man has seen the hand and the power that God possesses. And it continues to read, For God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And that's where we'll end today on The Wrath of God, Part 1. Oh, Christ, the Son.